Gossip Nista here, your one and only source into the real lives of New Yorkers and what it's like to live in New York City. So is it all glitz and glamour? Where do you start? What should you know? And who am I? I'll tell you everything you need to know and you'll thank me for it. XOXO, Gossip Nista. Hey everyone, on today's show I have a special treat for you. He's the king of brunch and food in New York City and widely known for his Instagram account at Brunch Boys, which boosts nearly half a million followers and drool-worthy, delicious food from the city and beyond. Please welcome Jeremy Jacobowitz. Thanks for being on the show today, Jeremy. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course. So with every guest, I like to start off with their New York story. So why don't you let us know, are you a native New Yorker originally from here or where are you coming from? Yes, I was uh, born in Brooklyn and I mm. grew up in Westchester and I went to NYU and I've never lived anywhere else. No way. I can't believe that. Okay. So what neighborhood in Brooklyn were you born in? Uh, I was born in Park Slope. So we lived in Park Slope before like Park Slope was cool. Got it. So you moved out of the city, went over to Westchester, and yep. then how did you get back in the city? Yeah. So I went to Westchester, grew up in uh, Irvington, which is a uh, river town. And then, yeah. And then when I was looking at colleges, mm-hmm. literally the only place I wanted to go to, to was NYU. So I ended up you know, going there and okay. moving back into Manhattan for the four years there, I dorm. So I was living in Manhattan then, and then mm. that postgraduate moved home for like a year or two, um, but then moved back into city and haven't left. I made my way back to Brooklyn though two years ago, so now I'm in uh, Williamsburg. Wow. Okay, so you're back in Brooklyn, and for that matter, one of the trendiest areas. <laughs> That's something I more, want to know. Even, okay. even more trendy. It's it's really called Domino now. Yep. So I'm in those in those new buildings that they're all, that they're building just in the past two years. So it's it's so trendy, it has a new name. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Those buildings are literally architectural wonders and they're beautiful. <laughs> they're right next to Domino Park and with amazing views of the Manhattan skyline, prime Williamsburg area. So I'm curious, when you were in school, did you major in something related to food? Nope, not at all. I studied sports management. Okay, tell me a bit more about that. So, uh, which is sort of like a marketing. I mean, you could take it a different direct, a couple of different directions. Mm-hmm. I graduated. I graduated though with a marketing degree, just sort of focused in sports. But while I was in school, um, I started interning and working in sports TV. So, I interned for SNY, which is the Mets Network, and then I was working at WCBS as a field producer uh, in sports my senior year. Got it. Okay. So what led you into food? Uh, so what happened was, so then postgraduate, I uh, ended up working at WWE in Connecticut. That's why I went back to Westchester. So at that point, I'd been in sports TV for a good five years. And I, I kind of did a lot of what I wanted to do. And this is already nine years ago. There really wasn't a lot of places to work. Um, we didn't really have this digital media res- revolution uh, yet, and I didn't want to work at ESPN. So I was like, well, maybe there's somewhere else in TV I want to I work because I love being in TV. Mm-hmm. And it took starting over again, um, but I ended up working in reality TV in New York. And reality TV in New York is really like broken down into housewives shows and that kind of stuff and food. Mm. And ended up in food TV. And I was like, oh, 
I really love this. Like, I, I love food. I have a passion for this. I've, I've always loved the Food Network. Okay. Why didn't I ever just think about doing this? So I lucked into a show. And then that first show, I met Bobby Flay because he was hosting it. And then I became his PA. So Wow. And I went all over the country with him doing a ton of shows. So and then I was with him for a few years. And once you're sort of with Bobby for a few years, you're definitely ingrained in the food TV world. So then I, I did that for a while. For those that don't know who Bobby Filet is, he's a popular chef on TV. Okay, but what really stood out to me in this whole thing, Jeremy, is that you essentially went to school for a certain degree and life just kind of steered you in the direction you were really meant to be and that's food <laughs> and doing amazing right. stuff within it. <laughs> Okay, but um, before we actually dive deeper into Brunch Boys, I want to take it back to ask a couple more questions related to New York City. And I'm sure this particular question is one that many may have. And it's what has your overall experience as a native New Yorker been? Oh, I mean, it, it's it's been the best. I mean, there's there's a reason why I haven't lived anywhere else. It's because I haven't found anywhere else that's this amazing. Yep. Um, I mean, especially for work, it, it made sense. Like if you work in TV, as much as I traveled, it makes sense to be based out of New York or okay. LA. And, and I do love LA and it's nice to go out there, but there is nothing like the energy of New York. Like you wake up and you feel it. And I've been very lucky to travel all around the world. And there are very few places that have this same vibe and energy. And Agreed. For food specifically, people people love food here. And that, that certainly led to a lot of my success with Brunch Boys was just people mm -hmm. having a desire to know more about restaurants and food and everyone loves eating out. So that culture helped me grow for sure. Awesome. But getting even deeper, Jeremy, what are some things you may like and dislike about New York? Uh, yeah. Um, well, the first is weather, weather related. The fall and spring are the greatest times uh -huh. of, of all humanity. Like On the flip side, people don't like the winters in New York. I actually don't think they're that bad. Like Truly, our winters are now only like two weeks long. Really? Or, you know, really, but it's like actually cold. Oh, when it's like freezing, it's only like two weeks. We get like one snowstorm. I think it's fine. Mm. It's summer that like, ugh, in the late July, August, early September, New York could be a miserable, miserable place to be, especially if you're, you know, waiting for the subway that's never going to come. Oh my uh, God. Yes. Gross. I know what you're talking um, about. That was so me this summer. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually like going to LA in the summer. People was like, oh, if you love going to LA, you must go to winter. I'm like, no, winters are fine in New York. Okay. It's like August when like in LA, it's a dry heat. It's, it's like 85 and then 50 at night. I'd much rather go out to LA in the summer than uh, during the well, winter. Well, LA has great weather all around. I know that being from there. But the great thing is you're giving people hope in regards to New York winters. So now I'm curious, Jeremy, since you're a native New Yorker, can anyone who moves to New York ever really be considered a true New Yorker? Uh, yeah, 100%. I think there is some rule about how many years it is. It's like, I don't know, five, seven, ten years, something like that. I think for sure, like, I think if you're just ingrained in it, like it, it you you become a New Yorker very quickly. Because it, in New York, like, if you don't become a New Yorker, you can't survive and you leave. That so is so I think funny at some that point, you said you that. I totally agree. You, you reach the tipping point and like, then you're a New Yorker. And like, I don't know if you're jaywalking and yelling at taxi cabs. And you're a New Yorker. Gossip Nista here, just dropping in to let you know if you have any questions about New York City or if a question wasn't answered during an episode, you can email me directly at gossipnista at gmail.com. That's G-O-S-S-I-P-N-I-S-T-A. And if you have a story related to New York City and want to share, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. 
Amazing. So we established you can become a New Yorker. All right. So now moving on to the last New York question. If someone is、um, moving to New York City, what advice would you give to them?、Um, I think what's amazing about New York is the people that you meet. So I think just like trying to get yourself out there, I think will help you in, in all facets of your life. I think. Networking is the greatest thing that I could ever do, both professionally and and personally. Agree. And just yeah, meeting people. I think like New York, New York is much smaller than you think.、Hmm. So like once you start meeting people, you can get ingrained to the you, you know everything that's going on here. I think you're gonna really succeed, and then you're gonna see those people over and over and over again, even if you think you'll never run into, into them again. Really,、so、be nice to everybody. Oh, I. I Yes, if you walk down the street in New York City, you are guaranteed to run into someone you know. Oh my to, gosh! And to think it's this giant city with all these people, which it definitely is. But、uh, I, I, I seem to always run into somebody, no matter where I'm going. That's exciting. So now I love to transition into the sensation that is. Brunch boys <laughs>、okay. and how you came about creating it. So, what gave you the inspiration, Jeremy? Sure, yeah. So, I started about five and a half years ago, and really there wasn't a lot of thought put into it. So, I was a、mm. TV producer. So, after being with Bobby,、uh, ended、uh-huh. up producing. So, I was producing food travel, food competition, cooking shows, all that kind of stuff.、Mm-hmm. Um, but in TV, you're always freelance. You go job to job, gig to gig. So, between gigs, you could. You have some time off sometimes,、mm-hmm. um, so I'm someone that just can't ever sit around. So five and a half years ago, I had some time off between gigs, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll make some brunch videos." Okay, I'll, I'll just name brunch boys. Okay, all right, I'll start the Instagram account. Just wait, go, but why brunch? Like, it was it it was it was a few things. It was whenever I want to do something, I want to make sure I, I highlight as much as I can to stand out.、Mm-hmm. And I think like okay, and I, my thought process was. Okay, if I'm going to make these brunch sort of food travel videos, what's my advantage here? Okay, am I going to be am I going to be able to create the greatest videos of all time? No, I mean like I, you know, on 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 a set we have a crew, we have all these people, we have people that are expert experts at every little last detail. Yeah, I couldn't do anything else. I'm like, okay, I can't do that. Am I going to be the most charismatic, amazing personality on camera? No. Okay, but I could sort of do it. I could sort of handle. Okay, so then I'm like, okay, well then why would anyone watch these videos? And I was like, okay. Well,、mm-hmm. I love brunch. All my friends love brunch, but there's nobody in the media world that touches brunch, and、mm. there's a few reasons for that. One, this is just my personal experience with it. When you are producing, remember this is already this is five and a half years ago. So again, ev- there wasn't even even food media companies weren't doing online content. So it was still pretty much like cooking channel, food、uh, food、yeah. network,、uh, FYI, travel channel, blah blah, all bigger cable networks. So when you produce for those cable networks, you learn very quickly like that the only thing they care about is their core audience because they have to, and their core core audience isn't a twenty five year old in New York City.、Um, it is an older person in the Midwest. That's just the people、it. that watch cable TV. So when I would pitch ideas of brunch is really cool, look at his amazing dish, look at his amazing dish, I would be told, no, no one outside of New York or LA really cares about brunch. We don't want to touch it. Wow. So with this video, with this little video idea I had, I was like, well. No one's telling me what to do, so let me just do the thing I'm told I'm always not allowed to do, and that's brunch. I'm like, and the, and it went back to both sides of it. I love brunch. Evan and No loves brunch, but I feel like there's an opportunity here to do something cool with brunch. So it was all those factors play into it. Okay, so you pretty much saw a market need with a specific demographic, and you 
you know, took it and were strategic about it and successful, obviously. Right. Yes. I mean, even when I would pitch and then like, so I started the Instagram account and like five and a half years ago, there was no influencers. There's no food Instagram accounts. There's nothing. I just started it. Just, I picked the name and my approach is always, you know, make sure you own that name everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. But because I was, I made a couple of videos, pretty much forgot about this idea brunch was, but it had the account. Um, so because I was a TV producer and on the road a lot for shows, I just organically had a lot of photos of food. I'd be in kitchens every single day doing okay. my job. Um, so I would just post on Brunch Boys not thinking about it, and the account sort of, sort of bubble and grow and whatever. Um, but sort of getting back to my point was once it started to bubble and grow and like uh, and like there was all these like weird little opportunities, again, focusing on what made me unique and stand out was – at the time, a year and a half into it, food Instagrams became a thing, and all these accounts popped off, and I just happened to have one. And still, mm-hmm. when all of them popped off, I would say the top 10 people jumped to like 100,000 followers almost overnight, it seemed like, where I was still I was still very far behind, though. I was maybe in the 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, okay. whatever range. But when I would pitch myself and talk to people, I wouldn't say hey, I'm Jeremy Jacobitz from Brunch Boys, the number 15 food Instagram account in New York. I would email people and be like, hey, I'm Jeremy Jacobitz from Brunch Boys, the number one brunch food account in the world. Smart. I knew no one else had more than me. So why would I highlight the negatives when I could highlight the positives? Absolutely. Um, And then ended up taking a break from TV and focusing on the accounts. And that's when it really exploded. And Mm -hmm. I ended up passing all those people that were ahead of me anyway. (laughs) Um, and And then I could pitch out, I'm the number one, whatever. Uh, but until that happened, it, it, it's always sort of focusing on what makes you unique and different. Of course. So it's, I, I've always just had that approach of just like highlight what makes you unique and stand out and don't mention all, all the other things. Yes. Yes. That's the best advice ever. So um, I kind of want to dive back into the origins of Brunch Boys and ask regarding the name. So why choose Brunch Boys with an S, plural, versus singular sure yeah uh well i always say there's two answers to it uh the first the the actual answer is so when i had that idea for that original show it because it wasn't an instagram wasn't a brand it wasn't anything it was this idea for this food travel show so in the show i had had my buddy be with me and the idea was i'd be in the kitchen cooking he'd make a drink at the bartender and then we meet and sit and have a brunch Mm -hmm. because that very small initial idea like sort of went away very quickly it was always sort of just my thing i would say like it was my idea and my everything like people are always like oh like he must he must hate you now he threw him out of the brunch boys i'm like well no we're still best friends and two it's always i always give the example of he was sort of just like an actor i i had in the show with me like the actor can't can't claim control of this whole thing yeah of course like he's a creative person and you know might have bounced ideas off him whatever but like this is always my time effort money energy everything to grow this thing and he just happened to be you were the director playing you know, whatever in the first couple. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's the real answer. And then I always say like, I think it does help. Like brunch boy sounds very sad. <laughs> We're brunch boys. Kinda. Sounds good. Like, oh, brunch boy. Oh, and just sitting at brunch by yourself. That's cool. We're brunch boys. Like, oh yeah. That, a bunch of guys sitting at brunch. Like mm-hmm. it made you feel better. So it sort of worked out nicely. Yes, it did. So thank you for sharing that. I'm sure many others may have wondered My next question, Jeremy, is so being that you came from behind the scenes as a producer, was it a natural transition to be on camera? What has that been like? Yeah, I mean, it was never a goal ever to be on camera. I love producing Mm -hmm. like my favorite part of 
producing was finding talent and producing talent and helping them grow and find and developing ideas around them. That was the joy of it. Um, okay. But I mean, honestly, the bigger struggle for Brunch Boys was figuring out how to photograph and film and edit and do all that other stuff myself. Like as a producer, I didn't touch anything. I didn't know how to use a camera. I had, I, I, I can envision it and I could see what I wanted, but I was lucky enough to be on a crew and tell everyone else how to make what I wanted happen. Yeah. Um, once I started doing this, I realized like, okay, well, I better figure this shit out because like, mm. I, it's, it's a visual first. I'm on Instagram. Like it's photos and videos. I got to figure out how to do this. I'm sure. You so, become a jack of all trades. Yeah, exactly. So including in figuring out how to shoot, figuring out how to edit, figuring out how to run audio, all that stuff. Got to figure out how to be on camera. Uh-huh. And a, a, a few things for one, I think like originally my idea was it to be this like sort of branded network thingy and I would have different shows and different hosts and blah, blah, blah. Okay. But social media really changed really fast and it all became about your personality. So mm. for even a few years, I'd bring on other people to host shows on Brunch Boys and it just, those things just didn't connect. Okay. It didn't connect to the audience because again, they're following me for me and it certainly didn't connect with ads. And listen, I make all my money selling sponsored content. So if I wanted to connect on everything I do, it had to be me front and center always. Good insight um, for people. And that was just a value thing. Like uh, very early on when this little influencer world is bubbling and even before I started making money, I realized very quickly if all I did was post photos of cheeseburgers, I was like, how do I, how do I work with brands? Okay. If I only sell, if I only take photos of food, okay, I guess I'm just limited to fast food kind of, I mean, I don't charge restaurants. That's great. The um, restaurants don't get charged. The, so then I'm assuming it's all sponsorship everything. and all kinds. The sponsorship comes from everything except for just normal restaurants. But so I realized I'm like, okay, but if it's cheeseburger, I can't pitch anything. If it's me, I could pitch everything. I could sell anything because it's me and my content and whatever I do, I try and make a food focus since I know that's sort of like the core of my audience, but mm-hmm. I, I could do anything with it. Like always examples, like the first ad I ever did was working with Bumble. They were launching Bumble BFF okay. and they wanted to do an ad around looking for a guy to go to brunch with you looking for a new buddy or whatever great easy um to even like the travel stuff like okay i i, I did a, a partnership with on upon airways in the spring and their whole goal was they were like hey um we want you to go to japan here's a bunch of money here's tickets and, and bring and bring your friends and just produce cool content that makes people excited to go to Japan. Wow, that is so exciting isn't that something that you had been wanting to do go to Japan? Yep. My, my, my dream in life was to go to Japan and I got an email saying, here's a bunch of money, go to Japan and do whatever you want. It was the Wait, greatest thing what? that's ever happened. To wow. Me. <laughs> to live your life, Jeremy. Oh my gosh. Wow. Thank you. Okay. So you got the trip to Japan. You got the life dream. When did you actually go to Japan? Uh, yeah, so I was in Japan this past spring. We went for okay. it's funny. It was supposed to be. They said we had to go for like a minimum of ten days, and we were like, "Yeah, duh." Of course. Uh, but then we started like going through the trip of what we really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And my friend, uh, my friend is actually uh, another. She runs an Instagram account. What could be butter uh, in LA? Mm-hmm. And um, we started planning it, and we we're like, "Oh, maybe maybe two weeks makes sense." And then we started really digging into it. We we're like, 
17 days and we're both like yeah screw it man let's just let's just do it like we why not because she runs her own account out in la and runs um social for restaurants so her Mm -hmm. uh, schedule is sort of just as flexible but busy as mine so we're both just like listen when is the next time someone's going to offer us this opportunity let's just take advantage of it so yeah so 17 days wow that's a long time and i'm sure you guys must have had the time (laughs) of your life on that note i would love to know what a day in the life of Jeremy's, you know, work looks like and how you essentially went from creating a side hustle to a full-time thing. That was a lot of questions, but let's just start wherever you want to start. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I always say it was an easier transition for me because I've never had a full-time job. Like yeah. my life in TV was freelance, like I said before. So it okay. was never knowing when the next show was, never having benefits, never having insurance, oh. never having any of those steady things that's really hard to walk away from. Like mm-hmm. my life now is very similar. I never know when when next paycheck is coming. I pay for my own insurance. I don't have benefits. Like mm-hmm. all those really hard things, it, that mental jump of saying you're going to quit your job was something I never did. My show ended and I was like, oh, I'll take a little break from TV and go back. But I got really busy with Brunch Boys and I started making money and I was like, oh, I guess I don't have to go back. Great. But then st- standard day, I say like every day is really, really different, but I try and keep as much consistency as I can, as exciting as it is and as like mentally stimulating as it is to do different things. I, I thrive on trying to have consistency. So a very typical day is I wake up at six, I eat an early breakfast I then go work out for a few hours. I then eat another okay. meal. Uh, I then sit down and try and get through emails and start to edit stuff if I can. Um, during the middle of the day, I usually schedule my shoots. So like all my content isn't me just sort of like popping into brunch and trying to get what I can. Like they're all set up very much the same way I would set up shoots when I was in TV. Because mm. um, I have all my gear and blah, blah, blah. And I go to a restaurant when they're closed and blah, blah, blah. So then during the middle day, it's it shoots and meetings and running around and whatever else I have to try and get done. Um, and then I try and be home by early afternoon. And then it's just sitting in front of my computer and editing. It's uh, I'm in a never-ending edit of uh, videos and photos. It's consistently every single okay. second. So, And then I'll probably do that till 8, 8.30. Again, trying to stay consistent. And then a lot of nights or some events I have to go to or some dinner I have to go to or something I have to go to. Um, I try not to do a ton of those just for my mental and physical sake. Uh, But there's something every night I can do if I really wanted to. Wow, that sounds like a never ending just work day. And I don't think people understand how much you know, effort goes into content creation and all that editing you spoke about. But um, on the flip side, I'm sure there's thoughts out there like, you know, your name is Brunch Boys, you get to eat out all the time, you're always posting delicious, drool-worthy food. You know, how much of that food do you actually get to eat? Like, what's going on when you're at these restaurants? Right. Yeah. I mean, what I always say is, for the majority of content that you see, especially the videos, mm-hmm. like I said, they're set up like shoots. Like they're not me just going to have a meal. Um, and I do not use those shoots as my meal. Like if I'm going to a shoot, I'm I'm eating something healthy right before I go. Oh, and then pretty okay. much what you see me eat on camera is all I eat of it. So if it's two to three bites, okay. like that's it. Like I don't really I don't need to eat more than that because I've already I've already 
gotten the food I need for my body. Uh, Jeremy, I'm just camera. saying, um, I'm always available. <laughs> I'm just a hop, skip, and a subway away, and I can come pack this food up and eat it. Yeah, so that's it. And then if I, but if I do go out to eat, like inevitably they, it is endless amounts of food. I mean, without I'm really available. I'm just saying, wanting it necessarily, and always appreciate it. So I feel bad. But yeah, if I go to a restaurant, I mean, in, in New York City, most restaurants will know who I am or chefs will know who I am or either I'm coming in because they wanted me to anyway. So mm-hmm. he certainly sends a lot of dishes, but I try and not to do so many meals like that just because it is like, okay, if it's me and my three friends and they, you know, they're going to send out, they send out like eight entrees, like how much food are we really, really going to be able to eat? So one, I don't want to waste it. And two, like just how much food you can, you can consume. So if I go sit for a real brunch, that's sort of that. Um, but I, but the majority of my content is set up of just like shoots. We're going to shoot the one dish. We're going to taste it on camera. Boom, boom, boom. Done. Wow. Okay. So I appreciate you breaking down everything you do. So now we know it's established. It's not like you're sitting there gorging and eating all this food. So um, (laughs) my next question for you, Jeremy, is if someone wanted to start a um, food blog or an Instagram food account, what advice would you give to them? Is that even possible? I mean, in terms of doing it now, I think at the end, I think a lot of times because I get asked that a lot of like oh I want to start mm-hmm. this and what do, and, you know what do I need about it? and like I'm always just like well why why do you want to start it and I think like a lot of people's approach is well I want to be an influencer and I want to get free food and I want this and I want that and mm. I'm just like well you're probably going to fail then like I just think like not the people that have succeeded their approach wasn't I want to be an influencer their approach was. Let me take what I'm passionate about and what I'm good at and put it out in the world. hundred And I think like that's why we're successful at it. And and but I mean, listen, so now you could start now like, well, I am success I am really passionate about food. I am really good at this. Okay, great. And I think like then it's about, well, how are you going to stand out? What's okay. gonna make you unique? Even going back to the way I thought about it five and a half years ago, I was brunch. So then when people started looking for accounts, I was the only one on the brunch account. Mm-hmm. It was what made me unique. Um, so I think there's certain there's certainly space for it, especially a visual platform like Instagram. Like, okay, what is your going to be? What is going to define you and make you stand out? If you're just going to take the same terrible cell phone photos as everybody else and you have no perspective on it, who cares? Noted. Um, but sorry, and and even now, like I think like as long as you're able to have a real voice and have a person behind it, mm-hmm. and be able to clearly put out that message because you're somewhat good at photos and videos. Like you don't need to be a professional, but you sort of have to know what you're doing. Uh, I think you could de- you could definitely succeed still. Most but I think it definitely. takes a lot more thought than I want. I just want something. It needs to come from a real place. Great tips. Thank you for sharing that. Now, in regards to the passion aspect, I 200% agree with you. And that seems to be a reoccurring theme here on the podcast. Everyone talks about passion. So that's definitely a key note to pick up on. And um, so I'd love to ask one more question before we get into the last one regarding, you know, the creation of Brunch Boys, and then we'll delve deeper into tips for the audience on places to eat in New York City, because I know that's what a lot of people want to know as well. So I hear you've been working on a podcast. Would you like to share a little bit about it with us? So I started two podcasts. Mm-hmm. One of them is it's called Brunch With. It <laughs> The idea was whoever I'm just like interested in talking to who has some sort of level of fame, whether it's a chef or a celebrity or an influencer or somebody of relevance, 
if I actually have questions for them, instead of just DMing them because I'm passionate about what they do, oh, maybe I'll bring them on to this conversation that I can have. We can have brunch together. And it's like a good jumping off point to sort of do whatever. Okay. My problem with this podcast is that like, I'm the, I produce everything for myself. I, I do not have a team. I don't really have anyone helping me on the production side. On the financial side, I do, but not production side. Mm-hmm. And it became an issue of like, oh God, these are so hard to turn around because I would do a video too. So it's like, Oh God, we talked 45 minutes. So what do I do? Uh, I don't even have time to touch this. So I would record them. They would sit for a month. I would never get to it. Yep. And I would put them out and they would they would do okay because they went on all platforms. They did fine. They actually popped on YouTube really well, more than even the podcasts and, and Instagram videos, which is great. That was the point too, which I was trying to grow the YouTube with the same idea of growing the podcast, which is let's get other things happening here. Um, mm-hmm. But mostly just been like, I just haven't, it's hard for me to focus on it. So in a year and a half of doing that podcast, I've, I've probably had seven people on it. And like literally the, the number one rule of if you're going to start a podcast is be consistent and at least do it weekly because like it takes time to grow. It takes a while to grow. You have to pump out content to be found. Of course. So, it's my own fault. so much work. Yeah. And it's my own fault that that hasn't grown. If I eventually do have someone helping me, which I sort of am, am looking for, that is something that would be on their table, which is let's find guests. Let's get me excited. At the same time too, like I only want to talk to people that I'm excited to talk to. If I'm if I don't have any questions for you, I don't want to talk to you because I don't prep for these interviews. Wow. I only bring on people that I've already done the interview in my head 10,000 times because I'm actually excited to talk to them. So I first need to be excited. I can't even do the research to find people to be excited about. It's a whole mess. But on the flip side, I was like, well, okay, like this podcast world still seems sort of fun. What else can I do? And maybe something outside of brunch and brunch boys that I could just like sink my teeth into a little bit and give me another creative outlet. Because again, brunch boys to me was always supposed to be just a creative outlet. And now it's become all consuming, literally. Let me do something else. So my so I was talking to my buddy, the buddy that I actually originally started Brunch Boys with. I was like, okay, I have an idea for something else. So we both, like I said, I used to work at WWE, uh, the wrestling company. That's where I knew my buddy from. Um, mm-hmm. So we were like, we talk wrestling all the time, and blah blah blah. And we're like, okay, I was like, we let's figure out a way. Let's take our experiences at WWE and take that we could definitely talk about wrestling, but spin that into a unique podcast because again, there's a million wrestling podcasts. So we're just talking about wrestling. Who cares what we have to say? And we're like, okay, we're, we are unique in that our job at WWE was we were loggers and our job is to watch all the old wrestling stuff, stuff that hasn't aired since the day it aired on TV 50 years ago. We watch. So now, okay, we have this expertise that nobody else has. Let's translate that into a podcast. So the, the peak time in wrestling was the Monday Night Wars, which was like the late 90s, early 2000s, which was the WCW uh, Nitro versus WWF Raw. They went head to head. Blah, blah, I know your listeners are like, oh my God, why is he talking about wrestling? <laughs> Maybe, but you know what? I'm actually well aware of wrestling. I know Hulk Hogan and <laughs> Macho Man, and I remember the 90s. Okay, so great. So the episodes that we are, so the episodes we're doing right now are still have Hulk Hogan and Macho Man because, again, we're going back to the 90s and people like really did love it. So we were like, okay, let's do this podcast about the Monday Night Wars. We are super niche, we're super specific. So if you are a, a wrestling nerd, you're going to love this podcast and it's going to make us stand out because no one else is doing this. So we're taking our expertise, which again, going back to brunch, I said to my brunch expertise, we're mm-hmm. spinning it in a way that no one else is doing it. Okay, we're doing this historical re review of the Monday Night War, super nerdy niche that no one else is doing. And let's see if we can answer. So that was the second podcast I started uh, in. in 2018. Wow, you've been a very busy guy. They both sound very fun. So guys, be sure to go check that out. So my last question regarding Brunch Boys, Jeremy, to you is what do you see as the future of it? 
Yeah, I mean, sort of like I was saying uh, before, it, it's hard to rely on the Instagram's algorithm to grow. So mm-hmm. I think my, my mission is sort of grow outside of it um, as much as I can to sort of make Brunch Boys a, as big as it can be. Um, okay. And just sort of like cementing that brand. So I think the best way for me to do that is just to get my face out there. So whether it's doing podcasts like this, or I was on live with Kelly Ryan, wow. doing those type of appearances, or, or hosting stuff like doing that kind of stuff and growing that way is really important for my success. The world is seriously your oyster, Jeremy. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited <laughs> for you regarding all the opportunities. Um, so I, I do want to know, I don't know that many people may know that even though you're named Brunch Boys, you are all around in regards to dining. You don't only focus on brunch. You do all kinds of food. So with that note, I'd love to start diving into tips for the audience regarding brunching and dining in New York City and your expertise and opinions on that. Gossip Nista here. Hey everyone, before we get into the tips on where to eat in New York City, I wanted to jump in here and ask that you not only subscribe and rate this podcast, but please be sure to review it and drop me a line and let me know what content you're enjoying and what you'd like to see more of. Thanks so much for listening and your feedback. Now back to the show. First question, Jeremy, for brunching and just overall eating in New York City is, would you recommend people who are either new to the city, first time coming to the city, or in general, for them to eat off of those carts that you see everywhere, you know, from the hot dogs to the bagels and the pretzels and the whatnot? Hmm. No, I w- I'm going to say no. I mean, listen, you have like halal guys on okay. 54th or whatever it is. Like, that's okay. Um, obviously, they've like expanded out of brick and mortar anyway, so you don't have to go there. But that's really – maybe a pretzel. You can grab a mm-hmm. pretzel, but I wouldn't eat anything else beyond that. It, those bagels aren't real bagels. Like, they don't wow, – They really? don't boil those bagels, which is why they're like rubbery and weird. Don't eat those wow, bagels. Wow, okay. Noted. So then where does someone get that infamous New York bagel then? Where's a good bagel place? Top bagel places, New York City bagel places. I always get in trouble, especially from people Black Seed when I don't mention Black Seed. Black Seed has amazing bagels, but they're not New York City bagels. Mm. So, like when people are coming into town and like, where should I eat bagels? I don't necessarily. I, I mention it, but say those aren't real bagels. Okay. Those are like Montreal Fusion, New York City bagels. Anyway, I always say um, uh, Brooklyn Bagel in Chelsea is fantastic. Uh, Thompson Square is fantastic, and uh, Pickle Bagel, all three of my fave. Wow. Three whole spots to check out. Thank you for that. Okay, so my next question is something I've heard thrown around um, in New York since I've been here and not something that I haven't figured out yet, but I just want you to define it for me, please. If you're new to New York and if you don't know what this is, can you tell me what a bodega is? Oh, bodega is the, the greatest place in the world. Uh, there's <laughs> okay. different levels of bodegas. You have like the fancy bodegas, the nice bodegas, the shitty bodegas. They're just like, they're like I would say they're convenience stores. They're just mm. like, they're on every corner. They're on every single street. They're open normally 24-7. You just pop in there, grab whatever you want. Uh-huh. Sometimes if they're a good bodega, definitely you know get, get some sandwiches, get some bacon, egg, and cheeses. If they're not, just get like, you know, they have chips and soda or whatever mm-hmm. else you want. And if it's a real good bodega, they have a bodega cat. Wait. Don't worry about the cat. It's there to chase off all the rats. So it, if you see a cat, it's a good thing. Wow. You literally mean a mouse and a cat. No, no. But 
bodega cats are a thing. If you go in there, there's always a cat because they're there to chase off everything. I don't know that anyone's <laughs> going to want to go into a bodega, Jeremy. Okay, but just to finish what I started, a bodega means it's a convenience store. But in New York, more specifically, it's a market that is located on most every corners that you walk by in the city. Oh, yeah. And they uh, tend to be a little more well-rounded, the bodegas, in you know, busy areas where, you know, you can grab a sandwich there, a hot sandwich. They have a grill and they can make you a ham and egg and whatever. And some of them even have a buffet style um, that you can grab your lunch if you're working real quickly. And then on top of that, get your, you know, Advil, uh, <laughs> water and chips and just be on your merry way. So that is a bodega in New York. It's a 24 hour convenient well-rounded place that you can stop in to grab a quick bite yes okay i wouldn't i wouldn't do the bodega buffet unless it's a super 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 nice bodega hmm, but there's only a handful it. of those but yeah sandwiches especially like if you get home late like bodegas are probably the only thing open i had a bodega when i lived in midtown around the corner from me i would have the uber drop me off at the bodega at 4 30 in the morning and nice get whatever you want made get like a chicken cutlet sandwich or whatever you're desiring at 4 30 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this seems like a last resort, but I guess good for people who are moving to New York City to know, you know, what the options are out there for convenience. Anyhow, next question in regards to ratings at restaurants, and I'm not talking like Yelp reviews. I'm talking about the um, letters they have on the front of their door. Whether it be an A or a B, I wouldn't go beyond an A or a B. Do you look at those before dining at them? Oh, the health, the health department stuff. Exactly. Uh, no, because I I think that knowing how the health department works, it is kind of insane what would get you a B. Mm. Like they could go in there and see a screw loose, and you get a B. So. I think that like A or B is fine. If you really are nervous about it, if you go to the website, um, it tells you exactly what what their violations are. Okay, great. So if you are like uh, scared, look for sure. A C I'd be nervous about. I mean, C could just be that they're in a really, really old building and there's going to be nothing wrong with the food, but they just like can't get their pipes, whatever fixed or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, Overall, I don't really worry about any of that stuff. I, I have traveled all over, eaten all over, never gotten sick. I mean, I have a pretty good stomach, I guess. But that kind of stuff, I am not usually concerned mm-hmm. with. Okay, now moving on to a more brunch-related question. So if you could just pick one brunch item that you could always eat and go to, what would it be? And would that be what you recommend for people to try as well? So... I always say that anything can be brunch, okay. but I'll pick something that that's brunchier, I guess. Uh, I, I love avocado toast. I'll just eat that every single day. Really? Simple enough? Yeah. And I also think like it's a good way to judge a restaurant because I think it's something that could be such an afterthought. Mm-hmm. But if you're at a restaurant and you're like, wow, this avocado toast is really amazing, it shows something that the kitchen cared so much about what is on surface, a very simple dish. Very true. Knowing that, it means they're really going to take care of more complex dishes. So that's that's a good way. It's a good way I like to judge a restaurant. I like that. And while we're on the subject of brunch, do you have a couple of brunch restaurants you could recommend in maybe Manhattan and Brooklyn? 
I love Gato. That's Bobby Flay's restaurant. Go eat brunch there. Okay. Um, Sunday in Brooklyn is fantastic. Um, Llama Inn is Peruvian. That's really, really amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, God, I, I've featured this restaurant so many times in like things I've done and on my Instagram account. I still screw up the name and they're going to murder me. But Besu or Besau is like Japanese inspired and it is incredible. And that's in NoHo. Okay. So Sunday in Brooklyn's in Brooklyn and the other yep. ones are where? Yes, Sunday in Brooklyn and Llama Inn are both in Williamsburg. Perfect. Okay. Now, continuing with food-related questions, a couple more. I'd like to get a little bit more specific within areas. Off the top of your head, could you think of any restaurants to go to that are good in Chinatown or Little Italy? Lucky you, I just did a whole Chinatown food crawl video that I posted yesterday. Okay. I mean, I don't know if they're brunch necessarily, but like I said, every every food is brunch. Mm-hmm. Um we went to Joe Steam Rice Roll, uh, which is really amazing. We did uh, uh, Xi'an Famous Noodles, which obviously has a lot of locations. That is fantastic. I used to live above Joe Shanghai. Uh, yeah, I used to live above Joe Shanghai in Midtown, and there's also a Chinatown location, and it is the best soup dumplings in New York City. Mm. Highly, highly recommend that. Uh, Namwa, Chinese Succeed. I mean, I, I could go on and on. Chinatown has a million different foods you get to. Wow. Um, Thank you. Little Italy. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever you can think of. Uh, it's harder actually. You know, there's not a ton of like <laughs> great Italian there. No way, really. I'll say this: if you want to, if you want to eat good Italian food, go to Emilio's Bellato. Okay. It's on Houston. It's in, I guess you would call that Soho-ish. It's two blocks north of the Little Italy, and the food is way, way better. Go there. Wow, so many recommendations. Okay, so while we're on the subject of Little Italy, you can't really talk about New York food without saying New York pizza. Where would you say is a great place that someone can go to that essentially defines New York pizza? Uh, yeah, go to Joe's Pizza. That's it. Number one. Buy the slice. Yeah, great. Okay. Buy a slice. New York slice. That's all you need. There's a ton of amazing other pizza places in New York City. But I think if you want the New York City slice experience, that is the number one. Yeah. So I... Completely agree with you on Joe's Pizza by the slice. Delicious. But any thoughts on Grinaldi's in Brooklyn? I haven't been in forever, but at, that's that pizza sort of goes in a category of totally different type of pizza for me. Okay. Um, um, so I, I don't count it when I think of just like slice pizza shops. Like even like, oh, Prince Street. Mm. Prince Street is great. And they do have slice shop. They do have slices there. But if you're going to go to Prince Street, you're getting the Roni Square. So, and again, that wouldn't be like a New York City thing. So I say, Go to Joe's. Got it. There's no reason not to. There's a bunch of locations. You'll be very happy. Awesome. Okay. All this pizza talk is making me beyond hungry. But um, anyhow, I heard through a little bird that you do not like this particular question of where's the best bottomless brunch? And I'm not asking <laughs> it. But, um, you know, so what's the story behind that? Why not? Uh, I don't I don't like that question for a few reasons. One, I think that like... Mm-hmm. There really isn't a good answer. I think like when I think of bottomless brunch, I think of shitty drinks that you're not getting any value uh, out of. Like I would rather go and pay for two good drinks okay. and have five glasses of orange juice with like a sprinkle of OJ in it, a sprinkle of champagne in it. Sorry. Got it. Um, so I don't look for it. I think like they're all bad. Mm. I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't really care about that. I'd, I'd rather just go get a red drink. So that's my approach to it. And I think like too, a lot of times also like- Food may not also be the best. Well, that's what I was about to say. I think like a lot of times when you think of like where the boozy brunches are, it's places that just don't have good food. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying good places don't have boozy brunch. I'm sure there are. But for the most part, when you think of boozy brunch, you think of just drinking and who cares what the food is. And it's just like some wild party. Yeah. And like, that's pretty much the opposite of what I do. So I always encourage people- if you want a day drink, that is fantastic. Just buy a real drink and you'll be much better off. Cheers to that then, Jeremy. And on that note, do you have any specific place that you could think of that has great signature brunch cocktails or what do you recommend? I try not to day drink. So like at brunch, I like, I'll like, if I'm at somewhere new, like I would love to try a cocktail and I have a couple of go-tos that I want to try. Off the top of my mind, I don't know if there's like one specific place that I remember being the best, but like okay. me, I, I, my problem too is I just sort of like drinking tequila on the rocks and a, like, wow. that's aggressive at a noon on a Sunday, but I like could, straight tequila. Oh yeah, I mean if if I'm out, like that's all I'm drinking. But uh, a Bloody Maria is a good way to get your tequila instead. So yeah, I'll look for Bloody Marias. I love micheladas, mm. um, which is sort of the same thing, just with beer. My favorite. Um, those are usually my my go tos um, more than anything else. But I'm always interested. Like if I'm at a place for a first time, like oh what 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 is your signature? Love that. Cocktail. Oh, cool. Yeah, bring it on. Let me, let me at least taste that. Wow. You are speaking my language with the Bloody Maria's, Bloody Mary's, <laughs> Micheladas. I love all that stuff. Um, okay. But now final question regarding this round of New York tips and where to eat is, um, would you consider New York City the best place you've ever eaten thus far? I don't know. Um, I think what drags New York City down wow. is okay. at the top of the top, we have the best of everything, of almost everything. I actually say Mexican food is actually really, really hard. It's one of the harder things to get right in, in New York. Generally, we have the best of everything. But I think there's so many shitty places in New York that it <laughs> okay. sort of drags everything down where um, LA, I think, is great. I mean, LA has the advantage of one, just being so much bigger than New York that you just have a whole ton of restaurants. I think, two, it's mm-hmm. the the restaurant scene is different out there where it's a little easier to experiment and do different stuff just the way the restaurant industry is and it's a little it's not as risky to open up stuff in LA as it is to New York so in New York it's harder to take risks with what you're doing um at the same time, I mean, when I was in Japan, ah, Japan the food was just so insanely good everything they had and I think like I give the example of okay in Japan no matter what level of place you went to the same care for the ingredients and, and and how it's made and a thought behind every single dish was exactly the same. Whether really? it was a $500 sushi omakase or the dollar um, tuna egg salad sandos that we would get at 7-Eleven, the same care and thought was put into it. And I think that's something that I've never found anywhere else. So I might say somewhere, I, I might pick a Japan city as the best ever because like literally I had, Whoa. I mean, the sushi was unbelievable the cheap sushi the expensive sushi we did like amazing uh beef wagyu sandos and omakase so that too we did yakitori dinner uh, even some uh, some of the best pizza i've ever had i had in japan what just, oh well this is, what, this is every day um so like it's just like everything they do was so amazing and we really didn't have the only bad meal we had in japan was so it's funny japan the convenience stores are like amazing. They're the greatest places of all time. We would they're literally five on every single street. Okay. We would go to them twice a day, once for breakfast and once for a snack in the afternoon. And so like seven eleven there. So they're like bodegas. Yeah. So yeah, I mean to but to call this a bodega is oh no 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 no. This is like high quality everything. So like seven eleven in Japan is incredible. 
So then there was a Denny's. So in America, Denny's is like, meh, Denny's, I don't know. But we were told, no, 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 Denny's is like the same thing. In Japan, it's amazing. Go to Denny's. Denny's, wow. So we went to Denny's and we were disappointed. So that was the only bad meal we had. We were like, you know, it's our own fault. We went to Denny's in Japan. It's Denny's. But one meal in 17 days of eating, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, so then it is safe to say, Jeremy, that your number one is probably Japan, followed by Los Angeles, and third, New York. Yeah, top three. Yeah, there you go. Wow, you've given us so many tips on where to eat, so much knowledge on this podcast. But um, I do want to play one final little game with you, Jeremy. It's going to be a, a true or false game. And it's going to be continuous tips here for the audience. And it's related to brunch and overall food and the history of New York City. Yep. So are you ready? They're ready. First question, true or false? Brunch originated in England in the late 19th century and became popular in the United States in the early 2000s. False. Wow, yes, you did get it right, but do you know why? First place to have brunch was in New York City. Well, actually, I have it false because it was um, the 1930s instead of the 2000s in England. I think there is stories that it came from Britain, but the first official brunch was at – the restaurant's still Mm -hmm. around. It's one of those really, really, really old school uh, like steakhouses in downtown. I'm forgetting the name off the top of my head right now. but they Delmonico's. Yeah, Delmonico's. I was going to say, my my brain had thought Delmonico's, but I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, so they are supposedly the originator of like brunch. Okay, got it. Okay, let's <laughs> but let's leave this undetermined. Next question: True or false? The popular dish, eggs Benedict, was invented in New York City. True. That is true, and I believe it's Delmonico's where it came from. So. <laughs> okay, next question: Francis Tavern is known as the oldest standing New York restaurant today, which opened its doors in 1762 and has served the likes of our first president, George Washington. True or false? I'm going to say false. I Well, it's actually true. It's, it's, it's still called that or that's what it was, used to be called? Uh, yep, it's still called that today and it's on Pearl Street. I thought it was, I thought it was something else for some reason. Oh, what do I know? Well, I looked it up, but I'm pretty much doubting myself here now, Jerry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's go with true on this. All right. You're doing great. Don't worry. You got this. Um, <laughs> so next question is, the New York cheesecake people know of today was created by a man in Chester, New York, around the 1950s. And you can get a slice similar to that recipe at Junior's Restaurant and Bakery in Brooklyn. True or false? I do not know, but I'll say true because you. I feel like you could definitely get it at Junior, so I might as well go with that. Well, Jeremy, wow, you got that one right. Good <laughs> guess on your part. Yes, uh, Junior's, you're right. There's definitely that slice of cheesecake you can get there. Okay, now moving on to the final and last question. Drum roll, please. For a kosher meal and a must-try before you die, according to Thrillist magazine, they recommend cats, deli, pastrami, and rye sandwich. True or false? Oh, uh, I'll say I'll say true. That sandwich is pretty good. Ding, ding, ding. And you're a winner, Jeremy. You got three out of <laughs> the five. So amazing. Thank you so much for being a great sport on this. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Gossip Mista. Your support means the world. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button 
and share this podcast with your friends. Can't wait till next week's episode. Follow along on Instagram at Gossipnista to get my latest New York happenings. But if you live in breathe New York City like I do and want even more, go to our website at Gossipnista.com, explore, and subscribe to our newsletter to get insider tips first. Lastly, if you have any questions and or scoop on the city, you can email me at gossipnista at gmail.com. Until next time, you know you love me. XOXO, Gossipnista.